Brothers and sisters, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, last chapter in the book of Matthew. We, we're in a new series uh, for Easter called Heal Us, Emmanuel, appropriate the song we sung a few minutes ago. And the motivation behind this, just like many of our sermon series over the last year, is is recognizing where we are. And you'll see this in the sermon we're about to read. But many of us have noted, we've noted among the leadership and the staff, we've also heard it from our members, that we don't just want to return to the way life was pre-COVID. We want to return to new life, to a deeper life with deeper life with Christ uh, in response to what this past year has revealed in us. There's a lot that the Lord has been doing. The Lord does not waste a crisis, <laughs> if you will. And so I want to invite you to reflect on what the Lord is doing in your life and where he might be leading you and us as a community as we move out of this time of quarantine and COVID-19. So please follow along with me as we read the first 10 verses of Matthew 28 and listen with faith, I invite you. It's listening with faith that we hear the Spirit of God speaking through the Word. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to, to, to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of them, the guards, the Roman guards, trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray again. Our Father and our God, we come to you as your people, Lord. We gather in spirit in the sanctuary through the live stream and the internet, some close by, some hundreds of miles away, Lord, but we gather in Christ by the power of your spirit, and we ask that through the preached word, Lord, you would be at work, opening our eyes, opening our ears, opening our hearts, oh Lord, we need to hear your voice this morning, so we ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the great... Easter truths that the church is always jealous to defend is that Jesus' resurrection was a real historical, physical event. 
Jesus' death and resurrection was not some spiritual or symbolic act, some sort of vague image of God's love for us. Rather, Jesus was a flesh and blood man, human being just like us. Uh, He died upon a Roman cross just as many other human beings had. He was laid in a tomb for the better part of three days But unlike us, he was raised from the dead on the third day in a new resurrected true body, never to taste death again. Now, upon this belief, the Christian faith rises and falls. This is what we put our faith in, that Jesus, the God-man, truly lived the perfect life before the Father, died the death that we deserve, and rose to new life. And again, rather than some vague picture of God's love for us, as we said in the children's homily, Jesus' resurrection was the inauguration of the new creation, Paul tells us that the world that God created has longed, has moaned, has groaned for healing since very near the beginning with the introduction of sin into the world. And all of us, no matter who we are, Christian or non-Christian, all of us have longed for that new creation ourselves, whether we know it or not, because we've all experienced the effects of that fall, the effects of sin and death and pain, the corruption of our bodies, our minds, our relationships, the systems of the world we just prayed for. And I, am, uh, I feel this very deeply because I just got over COVID. I've, I've experienced the ravages of, of this virus. And then guess what? I have to have a root canal tomorrow. So hey, if anyone's longing for new creation, it's me. And if I act weird, it's just because I have a lot of Advil in my system. Um, But brothers and sisters, this is why Jesus' resurrection is our great hope, right? That this world is not our home, our final resting place. This life and this death is not the end. Jesus' resurrection itself is the promise of new life, a new dawn, a new day, a new life where death and sin will no longer exist. We read it often because this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let me read Revelation 21, 3 and 4, where God says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. All of those things, all of those things we experience this present moment in our own lives, again, physical, relational, spiritual pain, it will no longer exist. That is our incredible hope. And we as a church, we've attempted to capture this idea in our own Vision statement as a church, something we we rarely recite and something we should do more often. So let me read it to you now. Village Church of East Atlanta exists to be a biblical community in, of, and for our East Atlanta neighborhoods so that people may come to know, celebrate, and follow Jesus Christ as the only hope 
for the brokenness in us and around us. Brothers and sisters, Jesus truly is the only hope for the brokenness that is both in us and around us. And I believe we need to hear this message again afresh this morning. Because as the vaccines are are rolling out and as hope begins to emerge of a return to normalcy, all of us, as I said at the beginning, we need to reckon with what we have experienced over this past year. If you you watched it last fall, we we had kind of a webinar on uh, emotional and spiritual health with Renee Bryan, and she talked about the collective trauma that the pandemic was putting us all through. And so on the one hand, it's something that we can all relate with together, right? Uh, Wearing masks and having to isolate and things we can do and we can't do. And yet, it has so isolated us and been so individual that it's also pulled us apart. We respond differently than our neighbor, than our spouse, than our children. And so it leaves us feeling shaken and alone often which is exactly why we need to focus on rebuilding, on reconnecting, but doing so in light of and aware of what we've walked through. I was talking with a friend last week who who coaches pastors and church planters, and he said to me something that's very true but, but struck me, that no one alive today, no church in existence today has ever walked through what we are walking through today. That means there is no script. (laughs) That means there is no handbook. There, There is no one to look to. We can look to history and we can read the scriptures, but for us and for our lives, we are walking through this for the very first time. That invites us to have a lot of grace for ourselves and for one another. We've all been doing our best to navigate quarantine and social distancing, isolation, risk mitigation with different people having different comfort levels. Marriages have been taxed. Some have ended. Jobs have been lost. People have reevaluated their lives. Some have moved away to try something new. Some friendships have been lost. Loved ones have died. There are, there are heartbreaking stories of people dying in the hospital alone. So much so that, that some nurses have filled uh, rubber gloves with warm water and attached them to patients' hands because they long to feel physical touch. This has been a horrendous year. For many, for many. Our kids have been going to school through video conferencing. (laughs) And we don't know, we don't even know what the emotional, relational, or spiritual impact of the past year will ultimately have. And brothers and sisters, I have to tell you, I would be very afraid if I didn't personally believe in the bodily resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of this biblical truth, that because Jesus was healed, we too can be healed. 
This is the beautiful truth of our union with Christ. One of the Apostle Paul's favorite themes. He talks about it all the time. You've been united with Christ. You are in Christ. And Christ is in you. When we place our faith in Christ, we are united with him, both in his death on the cross, where our sins are paid for and forgiven, but we are also united with him in his resurrection, in his triumph over death, and the healing, resurrection power of God. And we can see this. And that means for us that God's resurrection power is present and available with us, yes, in our resurrection to come, but it is also present and with us this very day. We see this in our passage this morning. Jesus was crucified. Jesus died. He was buried. And his disciples, his followers, entered into that suffering, that sadness, and that pain with him. Jesus' death, as we know, as you've read in the Gospels, was profoundly disappointing, profoundly confusing, and discouraging to the point of despair for his followers. And on this Sunday morning, some of Jesus' female followers were headed to the tomb because they were in such a rush. At the end of uh, his crucifixion on Friday, they, they had to rush his burial. They weren't able to do all the customary things with his body that they wanted because the Sabbath was going to begin at sundown. And so they had to wait all of Saturday for the Sabbath. And on Sunday morning, as the sun was about to rise, these women went to the tomb. And as they approached and they, they saw the soldiers and they saw the tomb and they saw this great boulder, this great rock that, was, that had closed the tomb and the other gospels tell us that began to speak to one another, you know, how are we going to move, you know, these soldiers aren't going to help us, how are we going to do this? All of a sudden an earthquake hits. <laughs> the ground is shaking, lightning flashes in the sky. There's this great light Matthew tells us this is an angel coming to earth and and moving this stone away. But what the women experience and what the soldiers experience is so terrifying that the soldiers literally pass out. (laughs) Battle-hardened soldiers. And likely the women would have as well, except the angel addresses them to their face, makes eye contact, and he says, don't be afraid. I know why you're here. I know what you seek. But even in that moment, we're told in the other Gospels that, that they, were, they were confused. They didn't know exactly what was happening. And as I, as I try to put myself in the place of these women, as I hope you will, the world had gone from bad to worse. It, it seemed like things couldn't get any worse. The Lord, the, the one they had placed their faith in, the true believers were rocked by his death, his crucifixion. And as they go to the tomb, (laughs) an earthquake hits, lightning strikes. And I think in that moment, many of us can relate to a world where things feel like, you know, can they get any worse? And then, yeah, yeah, they can. And we wonder and we cry out, God, what, what are you doing? How can life be like this? I, I've put my faith in you. I've, I've put everything on your word and on your promises. 
And again, we can rehash. I've listed here in my manuscripts just, just the incredible things that, that we've gone through. Not, you know, a, pand- a global pandemic is, is bad enough, but, but throw on top of that <laughs> political polarization, race riots, the U.S. Capitol being stormed. I mean, economic uncertainty. Like, it just, it's amazing. You know, I just want us all to give each other a collective hug. I know we can't touch. It's like, just to be alive, to have made it through this with our mental faculties in place, with our faith in place, is the grace of God. And, and sometimes we're just moving so fast. We just have to make it through the day. We don't want to stop and reflect. This is all hard stuff. And yet it's, it's helpful and it's important to stop and to look back and to recognize where we have come. Because otherwise, we're actually closing our eyes to seeing what God is doing. And we see that in our passage. Because in this incredibly difficult, confusing, painful event, and even in this earthquake and in this lightning strike, in this terrifying moment, what's happening is that God is at work. God is at work doing something that these women will weep and rejoice over. And yet as they walk through it, they can't imagine a worse scenario. And beloved, this is exactly how God works in our lives. In fact, this is why in the book of James and in in multiple places, the scriptures actually tell us to rejoice in our trials. Do you remember that verse? James 1, 2. During last fall when kind of my, you know, when I was experiencing some pretty intense suffering, I remembered that verse, and I turned there. This is the this Bible that I got in seminary and I've used for 20 years. In the margin, next to James 1-2, do you know what's there? A question mark. <laughs> what? Rejoice in trials. I believe today I understand that verse better than ever before in my life. Why? Because James tells us right there, he says, God uses trials to strengthen faith. Because he places us, he he deconstructs and exposes, destabilizes our false foundations. Right? We know Jesus told us in a teaching parable, build your life on the rock not on the shifting sand. And we who've placed our faith in Christ say, yeah, we, I did that. I've placed my faith in Christ. I know that when I die, I'm going to go be with God. And yet, <laughs> the Lord, through trials, he reveals, you know, have you really? What have you built your life on? What have you built your well-being on? Where do you find hope? Where do you find life? And God lovingly uses these trials to draw us to himself. I was texting with a, a, a family member back in late January, and just, just going back and forth, and, and he, he opened up and, and told me how much the, uh, the capital assault had shaken him. He didn't realize how much he just took for granted the stability of our country, our culture, our government. He said in that moment, as he watched things unfold online, he realized, almost like the Wizard of Oz, that this curtain had been pulled back. And there were just a bunch of levers and kind of duct tape and dental floss. And he was shaken. 
And brothers and sisters, that's true for many of us. We're not even aware of what we assume. We're not even aware of where we put our faith until the Lord brings us into times of trial. But brothers and sisters, this is our great hope. That no matter what is happening in our lives, our God is at work. You see, even as these women were terrified about what was happening around them, God was at work in telling them not to be afraid. This dead man, Jesus, who they had come to care for, he was no longer dead, he was alive. Now go and tell your brothers. Meet him in Galilee. And even as they ran in fear and in joy, probably in some confusion, Jesus graciously appeared to them, these women, first above all. And I love what Jesus says to them in verse 9. Uh, greetings. One, one commentator, you know, translating it into modern language, he just translates it, hi. I love that. Can you imagine? They're running back to the disciples, and then Jesus appears to them, and he's like, hey, guys, what's up? And they fall at his feet. And, and they grab onto his feet. That's not normal. In fact, that, that would be culturally pfft, taboo. And yet, put yourself in their place. What do they want? Like their eyes, they've seen this angel. They're probably in shock. They see Jesus. They want to confirm with their hands, with their eyes, are showing them that Jesus is alive. And what might that mean for them, for us that their hope was not in vain, that their faith is confirmed, and that God is doing something beyond their imagination. It took, it took years and decades for the rest of the scriptures to be filled in and the book of Revelation to be, to be given to the apostle John in this idea that what God has been after all of this time is to make all things new, to take all the destruction and the pain and everything that has gone wrong, and to make it good again. Their crucifixion sadness was overcome by resurrection joy. And brothers and sisters, that is God's promise to us this morning. That wherever we are, whatever is happening in our lives, whatever we are experiencing or suffering, God is at work. And in fact, it is in the trials that God confirms he is even more specifically at work for our good. That we can experience that resurrection life and power and healing because Jesus experienced it first. Beloved, we are going through a real time of suffering and change and difficulty. In many ways, as we said, we don't fully understand the impacts and what they will be. But as followers of Christ, I can tell you this, that we do not suffer as those without hope. We suffer in hope because we know our God is at work. And because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, we have hope for today and we have hope for tomorrow, that our God and Father is at work through those trials, forging faith 
and steadfastness in us. And so my charge to you, brothers and sisters, is that as these trials continue, that we face them with faith, that we step into them believing, acknowledging, confessing that our God is at work, he is good, and he is even using them to stretch and strengthen our faith. Beloved, because Jesus Christ was healed and raised from the dead, we too can be healed. Let us rejoice in Jesus' resurrection and let us stoke the flames of hope that though this time has been hard and though trials continue, there is healing for us and that we will receive it. And so bring your heart, bring your pains, bring your struggles, your doubts to the Father in heaven and watch what he does in and through you. Look what amazing things God did through the suffering, sufferings of Christ. And guess what? God says, Jesus says, he will do even greater things through our sufferings, provided that we place our faith and our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our Easter hope. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we cry out to you. Lord, at one and the same time, we can rejoice and we can weep. We can feel pain and loss and hope and power. Lord, may we be an authentic and honest people, honest with you, authentic with you and the people around us, Lord. Not cynical, not Pollyanna, but faithful. And we pray this for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.